The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Hey, good afternoon and happy leap year to everybody out there today. This is Jonathan Ruthier, your guest host today for One Hour at a Time. And uh, we're really excited to, to, uh, to have you all join us today as we talk about expressive writing, uh, in particular with uh, helping to uh, work on symptoms of mental illness and addiction. Um, our guest today is Nancy Sherlong, and Nancy uh, has a uh, master's degree in social work and is licensed in both New York and Connecticut. Um, she's got a variety of uh, activities that she's involved in, and um, that includes uh, uh, she's been uh, received wellness training. She's uh, she from the Mentor Coach Foundation, um, and she has a mentor and supervision credential in Biblio and Poetry Therapy from the International Federation for Biblio Poetry Therapy, and over 20 years of institute training in therapeutic writing, action methods of psychodrama, and trauma processing techniques. So Nancy is a certified holistic health counselor from the Integrative Institute for Nutrition in New York City. She's got extensive experience in group facilitation particularly with communication and relationship enhancement, women in transition, adolescent social skills, creativity seminars, corporate wellness, and stress management. So, Nancy, you've got quite a, uh, quite a diverse background, and um, we're really excited to have you on the show today to talk about uh, you know, an area that is sometimes overlooked in the therapeutic spectrum, which is uh, expressive writing. Yes, thank you very much for having me today. Even though expressive writing isn't really new exactly, I think only in the last five to ten years has it gotten a lot of press in uh, mental health publications and also self-help publications. If you were to Google journal or poetry therapy now, you'll come up with a whole lot more hits than you would have ten years ago, even though this work was happening. Mm And this is an area that you've really been focused in for quite a long time. What got you started in this? Well, I started out in the field as a writer. I was actually a poet in an MFA program and wanting to be an English teacher. And mm-hmm. it's not that I didn't want to be a therapist, but it just wasn't on my radar at that time. And the truth is I was in a, a car accident that was completely unplanned. Not that we usually plan car accidents, right. but I had a blood sugar problem that I didn't know that I had. And I ended up in a hospital for a month, and I found that the people who were most helpful to me were the social workers and some of the creative arts staff, and I just thought maybe I can use writing for healing purposes instead of necessarily to teach English and to be published. So took the same skills and sort of redirected how I focused them. Right. Well, it certainly sounds like a... 
a pretty significant life-changing experience for you, and, and um, I'm sure it is for others as well to just, you know, when they get to a point of needing help and uh, trying to find a way to, to work through that. Um, and you've found ways to help people write as a way to, to work through their, their challenges. Yeah, a lot of times, I mean, this is simplifying the how it works, but taking something internal that you feel and having a way to externalize it on paper actually creates mastery over it. People being able to read how they feel and get some distance from it or contain it on a page can be really helpful. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, I read a quote recently. It says, writing is the painting of the voice, and um, which I think is just a really neat way to kind of capture uh, the expressive side of writing. I like that quote. Who said that? I like that. Yeah. Um, that was... Actually, I don't know. I saw the quote somewhere, um, and uh, I don't remember who wrote it, but, but I thought it was just, you know, it was really poignant because, you know, there's so, uh, there's so much to uncover uh, when you're writing, and it's not just about uncovering, right? It's also about creating something. And, uh, yeah, it can be about many different things. Like when I do poetry yeah. therapy with somebody, sometimes we'll start with a poem that was actually written by somebody else. It could be a famous writer or a lesser-known writer, and then we'll take that poem and use it as a jumping-off point, either from a metaphor or a line or an image, and then the person relates their experience to that poem and then to themselves and their own life. So I've done a lot of groups like that where part of what we're helping folks do is connect to themselves and connect their experience to other people's experience through through writing. Right. Right. So, um, you know, in your work, have you have you done this kind of work in different settings or, you know, is this generally done in an office setting? How does it work? I've worked in all kinds of different settings. I mean, I've certainly worked in the public schools doing programs with elementary, middle, and high school kids. I've worked in foster care for quite some time and did writing programs with them. Um, I worked in an integrative medicine program in Long Island with uh, cancer survivors. I've worked in a hospital setting, a psychiatric hospital setting, inpatient and outpatient, using metaphor and action and psychodrama. So pretty much any place you could imagine, I have used this type of work with either employees or clients or patients of the healthcare system. Right. So it sounds like it's a tool that's really, uh, it's, it's pretty, can be pretty universally applied. Yeah, it's extremely flexible. Um, the word we always end up using is it's very forgiving. It's a forgiving method that um, a lot of people will come saying, well, I'm not good at writing, or I was always told that I'm not creative. And it's actually not at all about that. It's about taking the judgment away from the process We have some folks who write some beautiful writing and go to get it published, but that's not really our goal with them. It's more about expression and acceptance of how they feel and communicating that to themselves and, if they choose, to others. So that's usually a different way than people usually think about writing. Yeah. Well, I think so many of us are exposed to writing, you know, initially through our academic uh, involvement, right, through 
you know, school and uh, right from the start and learning to spell, learning to put a sentence together. And, you know, and I know my, my wife is in education and, you know, the phrase is learn to write and then write to write. No, I'm sorry, it's learn to read and then read to learn. But writing is a similar, you know, kind of process. You have to learn how to do it and then you can do it to help yourself learn. And, um, uh, you know, but it's, but there are always, well, not always, but there are a lot of times there are a lot of rules applied to the writing that you do when you're first learning. And, and, uh, and so it sounds like, you know, what you're trying to help people say is, you know, don't worry about the rules so much, but, you know, just, just put down on paper what is going on for you. Absolutely. Um, and when the groups um, come together, part of the feedback is more about witnessing because some people will want to give advice from a workshop perspective or a critique, and that's not at all what we're encouraging because it's hard enough for folks to be vulnerable to put their work out there without thinking that it's going to be judged. So it's really more about honoring and receiving and witnessing one another's work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure that's a really, I mean, uh, um, I imagine it's really powerful for somebody who you know, may be really resistant or reluctant to put things on paper and share them to finally get to that point, right? It's, it's funny, the quote you said about, you know, the, the voice and writing being the voice like painting. Yeah. When folks express something that sometimes they've never told anybody and they're actually able to write it down and read it to themselves and share it if they want to with other people. The empowerment that can happen from that process is pretty incredible. And yeah. we don't ever say that anybody has to share. We'll give them choices. Uh, they could share the process of the writing. Um, they might read their writing and do what we call a reflection write. So it's sort of like what you would say to yourself after you read what you wrote. And some folks choose to share that, or some folks do share everything that they write. But there's so many choices along the process. I think that's part of what makes it feel safe to people. Right. Yeah, it sounds really, it's really flexible, and you can just kind of you know, pick, pick something that really matches either how you're feeling or your style or you know, what you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how does this, you know, how does... Um, expressive writing, how is it similar uh, or different even from, you know, some other forms of expressive therapy like art therapy or music therapy? They're actually very similar, and uh, our association, the National Association for Poetry Therapy, is part of a coalition um, called ENCADA, which stands for the National Coalition of Creative Arts Therapies Association. So that's all six of the disciplines. You have art, you have dance, you have drama, you have music, you have psychodrama, and you have poetry all together advocating um, sometimes for changes in policies that include uh, the creative arts and mental health legislation. Uh, After 9-11, for example, there was a natural outpouring of artwork and music and writing And as creative arts therapists, we understood how that is healing and how it's helpful, but helping other people be able to um, understand that, create funding for programs, have places where people can go and be guided in in a safe manner to construct meaningful work to them. They're, they're all very similar. So the training of course, for each is separate 
and each has either its own separate master's degree um, or an institute training. But there are degrees in expressive arts therapy, which is blending all six of those in some form or fashion together. So people are probably more familiar with art and music therapy just because they're a little bit more widespread and um, it's a little more popular culture when somebody says art therapy or music therapy. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, you don't hear writing therapy that much, but I know, you know, certainly it's common for, you know, uh, therapists, even who are generalists, to, you know, encourage people to write some things down or do a journal. And, but, but this sounds more like it's not so much just dumping things on a page, but, you know, there's a process involved, you know, for, um, going back to it and saying, you know, um, you know, what does this mean in terms of your overall, um, your health and your, your wellness and, and where you're going? Well, I'm so glad you brought that up because um, that is a huge point in the field that without the training and without knowing how to structure and pace the writing, sometimes people can feel worse from writing. So the suggestion of, you know, just get a journal is not usually enough guidance for someone who might really benefit from writing but not know how to do it on their own. Right. Right. And, and like you said, you know, there's uh, a... I really love this quote in, uh, in the promo for the show. It's, you know, we talk about uh, when writing is facilitated by a trained professional and participants are offered ways to contain and thereby control the most powerful and difficult of emotions, the act of writing can again feel safe. And that really you know, highlights the point that, for, that at times, you know, without that sort of guidance or um, support, that writing can be um, scary. It can, and it, it can, you know, like any other form of, um, you know, expressing something that's, that's really powerful, um, there can be a lot of fear with it. Oh, absolutely. So. And a colleague of mine, Kathleen Adams, came up with something she calls the journal ladder, and it's really a progression of very structured writing techniques and skills to the more abstract, and the, the most abstract is free writing, which is what most folks say to a client, well, just get a journal and write. Well, that's the yeah. least structured form of writing, and it's the hardest for people to do, and yeah. sometimes people can even feel worse if that's the yeah. only kind of writing that they do. Right, and I think that's, uh, that's a, a great area for our, uh, our listeners to hear more about when we come back from the break. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes after our next break, uh, and we'll be talking further with Nancy Sherlong. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. 
are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti-aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skin Care Centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually, as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is your guest host, Jonathan Ruth here. And today we are talking about um, expressive writing as a therapeutic technique for people with mental illness and addiction. Uh, and our guest today is Nancy Sherlock, who's a social worker and also uh, is a mentor and supervisor in Biblio Poetry Therapy. Uh, so Nancy and I, you know, uh, we're talking about, um, you know, sort of different elements of writing and how sometimes it can be helpful and sometimes without that sort of support and structure. Um, it can be actually destructive to the to the therapeutic process. So as we get into into our next segment, um, Nancy will take us a little bit more detail into how how the structure works and how people um, can really benefit from expressive writing using guidance from somebody who's experienced in the field. So um, so Nancy, this is uh, you know again it's it's a field that um, uh, you know has been influenced by some key people and. Um, you know, would you be okay telling our audience who has been influential for you and what some of the work has been done? Oh, sure. Um, well, I've been part of the National Association for Poetry Therapy uh, about 25 years, and I would say that in terms of the research of writing being beneficial, uh, there's a social science researcher named Dr. James Penny Baker, um, and he did some incredible research at Texas University at this point, it's over 30 years ago, uh, about how writing about emotionally upsetting topics uh, for four consecutive days. He did a study in the Student Health Center, and people actually had a reduction in symptoms, um, which we know, as far as psychotherapy, that talking about things you repress can make you feel better. But I don't think before that anyone had done very targeted studies about writing having the same impact. So that, that was kind of interesting. And then from there, a colleague and friend of mine, uh, Kay Adams, had just started a place called Center for Journal Therapy. And she was doing all kinds of work in psychiatric hospitals, using writing with the patients. And some of them were saying they didn't always feel better, but they really didn't want their writing taken away. And they loved their journal and 
she started really looking at some of the techniques that she has used and developed and putting them in a sequence of more structure to less structure so that the writing intervention would sort of match the coping skill or symptom level that the person was having. And to my knowledge, that is a very new thing. And she's probably been one of the biggest influences on me as far as how writing for healing is beneficial and also how training is necessary. So can you give us some examples of what that might look like? Sure. Um, And again, this comes from her work called The Way of the Journal. Um, That's the book that she mentions this in. But at the bottom of the rung, the journal ladder, as she calls it, the, the most structured thing you could use would be something called the sentence stem. So like a fill in the blank kind of sentence. Um, you know, if I was going to describe my prep, my stress, it might be my stress looks like, my stress feels like, my stress sounds like. It's a very directed, brief inquiry into a specific topic. So it's very structured. Um, something a little bit more free than that is where we might use for the container, we might use time. So something like a five-minute free write is uh, encapsulated by the five minutes, and that puts some structure into it. Uh, There might be later um, a list. We all make lists to go to the grocery store, to remember what to do, but to use a list as a way to structure something that matters to us. For example, um, just thinking about our topic and the populations that we all work with, folks could make a list of 100 things that uh, trigger them and 100 things that resource them or help them feel better when they're triggered. And you might think a list of 100 sounds like a lot, but if you're really pushing yourself to get that list, the point is you get past the conscious mind and into the subconscious and you often learn something about yourself, either what's helpful and or what can be triggering. And that can really help with relapse prevention. I use writing a lot to sort of coordinate with the 12 steps uh, with a lot of my clients that I have in treatment. And then a a higher level um, skill as far as the latter is concerned might be somebody writing a letter that they don't send to someone. Uh, Certainly people have written breakup letters to their substance or to a symptom Um, a goodbye letter perhaps to someone that they didn't actually get to say goodbye to, or a dialogue. Um, That would be even a little bit more abstract. So a a two-way conversation between, for example, two different parts of themselves um, when folks are doing their fourth step, and that's a tough one for so many people. Um, Getting in touch with a character defect is like a part of themselves. So having a dialogue between themselves And that particular character defect, I've seen amazing writing come from doing that kind of an exercise. But I wouldn't start somebody who's new at writing with that particular exercise. Right. Well, I mean, that's um, just to interrupt there. I think that's that's an area in particular, you know, particularly relevant to um, the folks that we work with here at Westbridge too. That you know, we're talking about writing things down. Something about the process of writing makes something a little bit more real and permanent, right? I mean, absolutely. And, um, so it carries weight. 
And I know a lot of, you know, folks' sponsors have them write the steps, which I think is, is great. I just, I have some folks who might not necessarily be excited. They want to get the step done, but boy, writing about that step seems to be really difficult because you're right, it does make it real and you kind of can't avoid it when it's there on the page. And it's, it's difficult to confront those things sometimes alone. And so I'll have folks write in session um, or I'll have them use my waiting room as a place to write if they don't want to go home and be alone with writing something. Yeah. Well, again, like, you know, I think that reinforces the point that it's, you know, when you're, if you're writing about something in order to change, you know, usually that something isn't like, you know, I really wish I had gotten butter when I was at the store. It's more <laughs> like, you know, I really wished uh, I had just apologized in the moment, you know, when I cut that person off. It's a little bit, you know, it gets a little bit more personal. It's a little bit more intense. And um, do you find that, you know, uh, for instance, if you're working with folks who are, um you're not in a facility, but they're, you know, living somewhere else, that it's that much more important to set time frames for writing or, you know, certain times of day or, uh, you know, certain limits in terms of that? I really kind of honor people's own choice about that, except to just say there are no rules because a lot of people think of the concept of a diary and, you know, if you don't write every day, then it's not okay or complete disclosure and reporting about their day. And my experience with with those kinds of preconceptions is people end up not wanting to do it because it starts out as a have to or that it has a lot of rules. Um, So the main, you know, rule or guideline that we have in expressive writing is that it needs to be safe. Um, It needs to be confidential to that person. Usually the first page of a journal has a person's name and we encourage folks to write that it is confidential, and if anyone were to pick it up, um, to please not read further. Of course, people can adhere to that or not adhere to that, but we're always reinforcing that this is a very private process until somebody decides to make it public. So I don't know that I would think of rules per se, but for staff to be aware that writing is something that people might need to be checked in about um, if they're saying they're going to go write, and then, you know, you haven't seen them in an hour, just, you know, see that they haven't written themselves into a difficult spot because that can happen. Right. Yep. You know, and I think um, there's a misperception about, you know, sort of sending someone off to write. <laughs> you know, that it's, um, that's kind of a solitary activity and it's, uh, you know, without without that support and structure, um, you know, I think, again, like people, people might misperceive that as, well, you know, where's the work happening here, you know? Um, you know how, is that, how is that being used to help the therapeutic process? Absolutely, and there's so much now out about neuroscience and it's almost popular knowledge, some of the things we're learning about the brain, but if we're oriented more towards the negative just because of how our brain is wired, most people without a writing direction or without structure or some kind of support are probably just going to go recapitulate a negative or difficult experience in their journal unless there's a thought of how to shift it or maybe how to chunk it into parts or how to take a different look at it. And then it becomes therapeutic. It's the perspective 
and the relationship around the writing and the person's ability to reflect so many people. If we did like a survey and asked everybody who keeps a journal how many people read their own journal, Mm -hmm. I bet very many would say they just dump in it and they don't go back and read it. And part of expressive writing is about reflectively reading your own work and that's part of the synthesis and the integration that sort of mirrors the process of therapy when we're doing talk therapy. Right. Well, because you have a reference point, too, to go back to and say, you know, that day, this is what was on my mind, or this is how I interpreted that experience in my life, and today I might see it differently. So just by writing it down, it doesn't mean that that's a fixed um, fixed perspective, right? It's something that just for that period in time, in that moment, it's a you know it's a snapshot of where not just something that happened, but also the person's interpretation that day, and that may that may change over time. Oh, absolutely! I remember one of my favorite college professors. Geez, it was twenty years ago at this point, but said the most important part of a progress note is the date, because on any given day, anybody will present differently, and writing is the same way to date an entry is one of the most important things so we get that perspective and sense of ourselves that it was just that moment in time. Right. Right. So I, I, um, you know, I think that we're learning a lot about um, what happens in the brain during therapeutic, different therapeutic processes and, um, and sort of what is the science and, you know, um, you know, what's being studied in the background to help us understand how to take things forward. And um, so when we come back from the break, maybe we can learn a little bit more about you know, some of the work that's being done to, to understand the process of writing and what it does for us as human beings. So we'll be back in a couple of minutes after the next break. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. 
Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Jonathan Ruth here, your guest host today. And our guest today is Nancy Sherlong, who is a social worker and is uh, licensed uh, in Biblio and Poetry Therapy from the International Federation for Biblio and Poetry Therapy. And we are talking about creative writing and expressive writing uh, as a way to help uh, improve coping and to uh, manage symptoms of mental illness and addiction. Um, You know, so just before the break, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, what's uh, what the impact is of writing, both from the standpoint of um, you know how writing can sometimes be challenging for people you know if they don't have the right structure, but also what are some of the benefits. And um, so you know, Nancy, I think it's um, it, it's really great to know that there is research going on about writing and about how that you know what the processes that people go through, both you know what kind of changes it helps them make in their brain. Um, and really what are some of the, the things that they can learn through writing um, and that, that there's a real measurable change in people's ability to cope uh, you know when they're um, you know when they're engaged in, in a guided um, therapeutic writing process so um, maybe you could talk a little bit about you know your understanding of that and um, you know what people need to know about being a competent expressive writing counselor or expressive writing facilitator? Sure. Um, You know, I do a lot of volunteering with the two organizations that trained me, and, you know, I will say that uh, there are levels of certification, so people who don't want to go completely all the way to becoming becoming, um, a poetry therapist or a certified applied poetry facilitator, those are the levels of poetry training. Um, Uh And there's a registration in poetry therapy as well, which is what I have. On journal therapy, there's a journal facilitator and a journal therapist. But there's also, for folks who are already therapists, there's a certificate program um, of professional study through a group called the Therapeutic Writing Institute. So again, this is um, Kathleen Adams' program. So Therapeutic Writing Institute is an online international school um, where she does a lot of the training for journal therapy and journal facilitation. And there's a lot of folks who are interested in cross-training who are also getting the poetry credential um, at the same time with additional training. And the reason the training is so important, because some people think, oh, you know, I love literature, I love words, or I'm a writer, I know how to do that. I don't really need training. And I might have even thought something like that uh, 25, 30 years ago before I got so deeply Involved. Um, it's sort of like that expression, you don't know what you don't know. So once you start finding out, um, it's, kind of, it's kind of amazing because with poetry specifically, as clinicians, we're bringing a, 
almost like a third person into the therapeutic relationship by choosing a work of literature. And there's a whole protocol about how to do that, how not to do that. Um, the, the main books in that regard, um, there's a bibliotherapy handbook uh, written by Arlene Hines, H-Y-N-E-S, um, and Nick Mazza out of Florida State University, um, M-A-Z-Z-A, did a textbook on poetry therapy. And there is a protocol and a way to do it. And anything that we believe can be helpful, we also have to believe has the power to do harm. So I think that's part of why it's so important to have this training. And it really helps us learn how to get out of the way. Um, for example, some people who just love writing might use their own writing as a, as a piece of stimulus to a therapy group. And there's so many reasons why you wouldn't do that. But folks without training might not know that, just like folks without the training of a therapist might share a very personal story not knowing why that wouldn't be helpful. So it's, you know, some people say, well, you know, I've already got a master's. I don't know how much I want to invest in this. And I completely understand that. But most of the training can be obtained in a part-time way over the course of, you know, two years or three years. But if you're really committed to it, um, it shouldn't take longer than that. And it is a different application of all of the therapeutic skills that most folks learn in their master's. But more and more people I see come to it for the community aspect. Um, They want to be facilitators. They're not therapists. Maybe they're life coaches. Maybe they're teachers. Maybe they're clergy. Maybe they're mothers running groups for other mothers. Um, Any number of people can become facilitators without any kind of therapy background. Uh, So there's many ways to get into this field, and it's not like there's one path. Um, As far as books are concerned, I'm excited to be in this field at this particular time because of the amount of research and writing that is just finished being done. There's a series of books called It's Easy to Write, W-I-R-T-E, and Kathleen has edited them, and she's just finished the 10th book in this series in the last four years. And these are evidence-based books by population that really show how writing works and the research around it. Um, So one might be for school children, one's about healthcare. There's all different uh, focus areas. The latest one that's not out until May is about neuroscience, and it's called Your Brain on Ink, which is a great title. That's a great Um, title, yeah. Yeah, so there's like an entry point for almost anybody who's interested in doing this work to get involved. And right now, these trainings are universities without walls. So the good news about that is you can pick a mentor in your area, um, you know, or not in your area, but if there's someone near you, why wouldn't you do that? And it's a very personalized type of training. I enjoyed the training that I got immensely. And I've been to university programs, and they were great, too, but it's not as personalized as this sort of mentorship program is. I would imagine that this is kind of a training is also just very, um, that it really encourages a lot of self-reflection and uh, and expression, the person being trained, and that, that there's a parallel process to what maybe a client would go through if you were working with them. Absolutely, absolutely, because a lot of the training 
you know, like most any training, involves using the method that you're learning on yourself. So throughout the process of training, folks will write, and um, maybe they'll write a letter to um, themselves or a letter about a client that they had in a session that day that was either particularly easy or difficult. Um, They might write uh, poetry together with a group. I often finish groups that I do with a group poem, and that's a technique that I got from Nick Mazza, and many other people use that too, but he teaches it like, like nobody else. And I know he used to begin groups with constructing a poem, and everybody in the group contributes a line, and end groups with constructing a poem. And it's, it's a very cohesive uh, gathering process, and it changes who you are if you decide to go through it because it's an active form of learning. It's definitely not just passive and gathering information. You're doing the writing work just like your clients will be doing the writing work. Yeah. Now, what, what's the role of metaphors, you know, in, uh, in this for people? Because I think, you know, I know certainly um, you know, in some of the clinical work that I've done, I've had numerous, um, you know, participants really share things through the use of metaphors, and sometimes it's because that was just the way that they could, could you know, construct the information, but it seemed to me like it was a really powerful way for people to express themselves. Well, it's funny that you <laughs> mentioned that word. Um, the name of my website has to do with metaphors, so it's wellness metaphors. And, oh, um, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think you even knew that, actually. Um, yep. So my interest in metaphors, and I think the value of them to the field is that they're so symbolic and they're so integrative. So, of course, me being a mind-body wellness practitioner, I'm very interested in how the mind um, comes up with an idea that's actually speaking something that's happening in the body that resonates with something that's going on in the psyche or the spirit. So being able to put that metaphor out there in writing or in action, if we're doing psychodrama, then you can kind of transform it because it's externalized. When people keep all their symptoms and their words and their power internal, it's hard for them to know how they could shift it. But once they're able to express it, then you can kind of work with it, almost like you would work with clay. If it starts in a, in a blob and you make it into a shape, there was a process of how that happened. And the same thing happens with writing. It's just some folks have to unlearn a little bit of what they learned about writing in school because that's not at all the way that we apply it. It's not about correctness or grammar or any of that kind of thing. Right. I, uh, I, I read a book once called Writing Down the Bones. I don't know if that's something you're familiar oh, yeah. with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, it's so, a great book. Yeah. And, you know, I thought what was really helpful about it was sort of like it's per, it was permission. <laughs> it's permission mm-hmm. not, to not worry about, you know, I have a sign on my desk that says, you know, I'm silently correcting your grammar. And, uh, you know, I mean, I grew up at, you know, in an era where it was like that was drilled. I mean, I was, you know, not parochial school, but, but pretty close to it in terms of the, you know, the instructors that I had over the years um, about writing and form. And, you know, but, but it wasn't about writing to express. And, and I guess the, um, you know, the, the, the part about really just getting things out, uh, you know, uh, is so important and not, not to worry about what it looks like after, you know, after the first cut or the first draft. But just, Absolutely. You 
having that sort of free flow. That's so funny that you read Natalie Goldberg's book. That, that's one of my favorite books, Writing Down the Bones. So it's funny yeah. that you know that. Yeah. Yeah, that is because, like probably yeah. the biggest piece of instruction that we do with clients or with potential um, trainees is to bracket the critic. And I think isn't that almost everybody's goal in life is to bracket their own critic. You know, when, when does it have something useful and important and true to say? And when is it just sort of interference and static? So the process of writing brings out people's critic, especially if they had a negative school experience. It could be very difficult. But once they get that freedom to express and they see that it's not about that, I've seen plenty of people who never liked writing end up embracing it, and it becomes a huge resource and a tool that helps them in all kinds of ways. Right. Right. Well, I think uh, you know we're learning a lot about it, and uh, when we come back after the next break, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the, some of the applications of expressive writing, and um, we'll let folks know where they can get additional resources to learn more. So we'll be back in just a few minutes after this next break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence based practices, consensus practices, and old fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co-Occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin, breast cancer survivors and advocates. They help by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We all want to live a healthy, vibrant life. With so many toxins in our world, it becomes an uphill battle. Inflammation is the premise of all disease and comes from four sources of toxins. With a proper understanding of toxins as well as proper detoxification and nutrition, disease can be avoided. Tune in to Whole Healthy Living with Sharon Brennan and learn how you can live a clean, whole, and healthy life in a toxic world. Start your journey Fridays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. 
Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is your guest host, Jonathan Ruthier. And our guest today is Nancy Sherlong. We've been talking about expressive writing and um, different applications for helping people to write as a way of working through therapeutic challenges, working through uh, you know areas in their life that they're that they may be struggling with. Um, and Nancy, one you know one question that did come to mind for me is, uh, you know, what are there are, are there specific um, uh, I guess activities or techniques directed at particular types of symptoms or particular types of addiction issues, um, you know, that, that come to mind, um, you, you know, for our, our listeners out there who are working in the mental health and addiction field? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's many, and of course, we try to tailor them to the individual client or group in front of us, but I do a lot of addictions and trauma work in my practice, and um, I think writing is very helpful with impulse control, which is certainly something we're trying to help folks regulate because, um, you know, paper and pen or keyboard, however it is that people choose to write, is accessible 24 hours a day. Uh, costs next to nothing. It's something that people already have. So if someone has an impulse to express something, um, they can do that in writing, and it's not going to have any collateral damage to it, the way that sometimes being verbally impulsive might or being behaviorally impulsive. So I use it to help people really get a handle on their impulse control and what are the things that make them want to pick up or what are their triggers. It's often a feeling um, that they didn't get help on how to handle. So writing is extremely helpful about some of the most difficult to express feelings. And for the folks I see, that tends to be anger um, for a lot of the women, um, shame for just about anybody, and for a lot of folks, sadness and fear. So you take those sort of hidden emotions and you give people some structure, of course, to do it, but a vehicle where they can express those feelings. It can be very helpful in terms of work with addictions and helping people develop that emotional vocabulary that sometimes they don't have access to. If, you know, you have a feeling and it triggers a use, you don't really learn how to talk about and deal with that feeling. Right. What kind of guidance do you give people about writing online? I mean, because, you know, people are blogging, they're putting things on Mm -hmm. Facebook, they're um, sending emails to folks, you know, there's a lot of writing that goes on just through people's online interaction, and I'm just wondering if there are specific guidelines that you that you work with your clients on to, um, again, to sort of keep them safe and, you know, to use so that their process is really about them and their change. Yeah, that's a great and interesting question. I mean, I I think we all probably do a lot more writing in our daily lives than we used to, but I'm not really regarding a lot of that as expressive writing. People certainly express themselves on Facebook. I'm sure we all have friends who have expressed themselves um, on Facebook. But I, uh, I think what makes the journaling or the poetry practice different is it's private first. And a lot of the social media, what will happen is people will impulsively post something and it's public first. And then they sort of think, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that or maybe I could have said it differently. So the expressive writing is for the self before it's for an audience. And I think that really changes that whole impulsive process. So I don't know if that answers your question, but there, there is a yeah. lot of writing out there, but it's not necessarily therapeutic. Right, exactly. No, I think it does, and it's important for people to understand the distinction between um, 
posting and writing. And emailing and writing, because email is essentially just a written form of something you might say to somebody, but we all know sometimes when you get a chance to send an email, depending on how you're feeling, and you hit send, there's no opportunity to apologize face-to-face to somebody if something goes out that you wish hadn't, but... Um, well, because yeah, I'm old enough to remember when email first came out, I remember undo, but there is no longer any yeah. undo. <laughs> no undo. It's just email. too fast. So, Nancy, tell us a little bit about some of the other work that you do, um, you know, that, that helps people uh, both in wellness, and I know you're involved in some stress management work and corporate wellness. Yeah, I work for a variety of employee assistance programs, both in Connecticut and New York, and you know, I do mindfulness training, I do stress management, um, a lot of wellness seminars, a lot of companies now are doing wellness Wednesdays. Uh, so when I can, I incorporate writing in just about everything that I do to help people slow themselves down. Uh, there's all kinds of things you'll see now about gratitude journals. Um, there's so many apps on our phones, whether folks have an Android or a, an Apple um, to keep digital journaling or health journaling. Um, Even the Fitbit is a a mass of information. And if people know how to use it and organize it, they can affect their wellness with it. And writing is a big part of wellness because, again, it's another tool to sort of ventilate or uh, review or become aware of things that folks weren't previously aware of. Something as simple as keeping a food journal. Once we become aware of what we eat, and yeah. the idea is to write it before you make the food choice, you really raise your consciousness about what you're putting in your body just because you've externalized that process. Right. right. Well, I know. I mean, so many people now have a Fitbit, and they're like, you know, always checking to see, okay, where did I, how many steps did I get into there? What was my sleep like last night? And, you know, just sort of that monitoring uh, says, okay, here's some feedback, right? And writing is the same thing. You're writing something down, you go back to it and say, here's my feedback about what I felt or what I was thinking about this situation yesterday or, you know, last week, and here's how exactly. it today. Yeah. And having a professional, you know, be able to be a companion on that path can sort of bump it up a notch to help people reach their goals. So if they have a, a weight goal or a smoking cessation goal um, or just an overall general health goal, it can help to work with a health coach, but it can also help to do writing as part of that process. Right. Yep, Exactly. So, you know, um, if people wanted to learn more about either how to get started with maybe their own personal process for writing or, uh, you know, guided, uh, facilitated, therapeutic writing um, exercise, where would they start? Oh, well, people could certainly get in touch with me, and if I need to point them towards a local resource, um, I'll do that. But I have a website that is www.wellnessmetaphors.com. Uh, as far as the training is concerned, uh, poetrytherapy.org is the association for poetry therapy. And the journaling, journaltherapy.com, is the journal therapy association. But what governs the training in part um, for both of them is the International Federation for Biblio Poetry Therapy. And they have a website as well, IFBPT. Org. I can't believe I remembered all those. That's really <laughs> but those good. Are the, yes, those are the main um, resources. But I really invite folks, if they heard this, to get in touch, and I will point them towards something if they're looking for a community resource that's not covered by the national um, resources that I just gave. 
Right. Well, and you said the the training programs are really like universities without walls, right? So there's an online presence that that people can take advantage of. Absolutely, and there's someone in their community who would partner with them or nearby who would be their advisor for their work. Right. That's great. That's great. Well, Nancy, it's really, um, it's been a great pleasure to have you on the show today. I think, I know I learned a lot about, you know, how... um, and your writing can be, uh, and, and I think this point, I just want to underscore this point again because I, I think it's so important for people out there to understand that sometimes, you know, writing without guidance or structure, you know, or, you know, can become an unsafe activity because you, know, you want to be able to, to put things into the right perspective and not just sort of continue to open yourself up. And, um, you know, really the value of having a trained um, expressive writing uh, um, facilitator or therapist, uh, you know, really, um, really is significant in terms of helping you go through the process the right way, um, you know, to get yourself to writing to heal. So, uh, again, Nancy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. To all our listeners out there, thank you so much for listening and tuning in week after week. Um, we really appreciate uh, the opportunity to provide you with education and resources that you need uh, to help people with mental illness and addiction. So, again, thank you for for attending. Thank you, uh, Nancy, for being here. This is Jonathan Ruth here signing off for one hour at a time. We appreciate you joining us today for One Hour at a Time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.